All right, welcome to another episode of Perspective. I'm here with Lily Flores. And uh, yeah, um, so to give a little background just on my perspective. Um, so Lily, I've actually been following her on social media for a little bit. Um, I think she just has been, especially in the reselling space, has been uh, someone who I've seen has been really supportive of other, of other resellers um, and just someone who I really just have admired for, for that reason, just very supportive of other people. Um, but Lily, can you go ahead and give a little background, like who you are, what, you up, what you're up to? Uh, so um, I am a Californian living in Texas. Um, I have been reselling for about, I would say, five or six years. It started uh, via extreme couponing. I did that for about three years. And then... Um, and then I actually moved on to eBay and now I'm in Amazon. Sweet. So I, I've heard of extreme couponing. I don't know exactly what it is. Can, can you explain what that is? Yeah. So um, the, the basics would be kind of uh, usually uh, in, in newspapers every Sunday you get coupons. And um, in these coupons, you can use them to get discounts at everyday items. So what you do, um, what what makes it extreme couponing is the fact that you combine the coupons with store sales um, uh, as well as promotions and things like that. And you can get items for like 50% off, even sometimes free. I've scored stuff for free in the past. Oh, wow. So I'm curious, how did you get started with that? So um, it was about, I would say a little under a year uh, after I had my son and I was trying to save some money on diapers. And one of my sons, um, his father, one of his cousins, she taught me how she was into the, she was barely getting into it. And she, uh, she was like, oh, I'll show you. And she taught me. And then after that, it just took off completely. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It's funny how, you know, sometimes, you know, out of necessity, we get into the things that we end up really enjoying and that are super beneficial for us. Yeah. So what made you shift more into from extreme couponing to uh, flipping things and reselling them? Uh, so what made me change was about two years ago. No, about a year and a half ago. Um, what happened was that um, over the years, uh, couponing policies started getting more strict. So it kind of got to the point where they got so strict that I couldn't coupon um, at a scale anymore because where we used to live in central California, um, it was a very small town. So there was literally only two stores where I could coupon at, or I would say my favorite stores that I could coupon at because I just didn't have the time to be going to a whole bunch of different stores. So those were my go-tos. And um, it just was not feasible to continue to um, coupon to resell. Um, so I was like, well, I still need a side hustle, so might as well start something else. And then I stumbled across a video from Gary Vee talking about Craigslist, like the free section. And I was like, well, okay, let me give this a try. So I went around town getting a bunch of free stuff. And then I was like, well, let me start trying to do eBay and see how that works. And I have been selling on eBay and then Amazon about two months ago, um, ever since. Sweet. You know, it's so funny. I, I'm actually thinking about making like a compilation video, maybe in like six months, mm -hmm. because I've talked to several resellers and almost every single one of them said, oh, yeah, I saw a Gary Vee video. 
Yeah. They got into and they got into flipping. <laughs> That's cool. So, what has been your favorite part so far of uh, with reselling? Uh, I would say my favorite part is just the thrill of the hunt. I I I love it. With this whole quarantine thing, the whole online arbitrage, it's just not as fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather go to the actual store and actually like treasure hunt stuff. That's that's what's fun to me. Cool. So actually on that note, how, so you mentioned online arbitrage, like how have you been able to, I guess, continue to resell um, during this time where everyone's basically indoors? So um, basically what we've been doing is um, I actually uh, have done a uh, order with a distributor so that I could, uh, this is mainly for Amazon so that I can get ungated in uh, topicals and like beauty products and things like that. So I, I've done that. Um, I've also been uh, just looking into just random websites. I'll go to like NordstromRack.com. I'll go, you know, even Kohl's. Kohl's is really good to source um, stuff like Fitbits and things like that. Uh, because normally they run like uh, online sales where you can put like two to three uh, different coupon codes and you can get stuff for super cheap that you can resell on Amazon or eBay if that's feasible. Um, but just random websites, I just try to look at what I know best and what sells in the categories that I can sell in so that I can um, just get whatever possible. I haven't had much luck, but I still look. Yeah, that's actually, well, actually, I'm going to take a step back. So you're, uh, so you said, obviously, like, it's a little slower right now with everything yeah. that's going on, but you still are be able to get a few things done. Yes. So that that's interesting. So why, so with that in mind, and even when, you know, Corona and everything goes away and when they're, and, and all that, how, I mean, obviously it's work, but how, how simple would you say, like, flipping things, reselling things is? I think it's, I think it's really simple. Um, I think that obviously, I think there's an element that is easy, but then it's also not easy. Um, but it is a very simple, um, it is a very simple process. Like you go to a store, you scan stuff, um, see how much you're paying for it versus how much it's selling online and see if it makes sense. Normally, um, I would say what I what I personally do is uh, when I go source, um, I always try to double my money. That way, it gives me a little bit of leeway just in case it goes the price goes down two to three dollars. I'm still profiting. If if I don't do that, it it kind of like I don't like getting something that isn't going to leave something if the price goes down. Mm -hmm. No, that, that makes sense. So. Why do you, so with it being that, like that simple, uh, why do you think that maybe more people don't, don't resell or maybe people think about it, but then they just don't want to do it? I think, um, I think it's the fear of losing money. Um, because oftentimes we are not sure because we're not educated on a certain subject where it's like, well, I don't know what sells, you know, I, I don't know what sells. I don't know what brand sells. And the thing is that, uh, one of the things that can get a little confusing is the fact that just because one brand like one variation of x brand like for example um this lotion in this scent just because that sells well doesn't mean another scent in that same brand is going to sell well so a lot of people are afraid of i guess just buying the wrong thing 
So it, it's something that uh, it does require some research. But um, pretty much once you get a basic idea of what sells, I mean, it, 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 I feel like it shortens your time exponentially unless you find now when you go to the stores, you go and you're like, okay, uh, this, this, this doesn't work. Um, this, this, this does. You grab what you need. And if you spot something new, it's like, oh, let me scan that real quick. And it saves a lot of time once you kind of just get in the game and just get your feet wet. Yeah, so true. Like, I know for myself, like, I'm a lot quicker at stores now versus, you know, six months ago. I know mm -hmm. where to look. So I'm curious. So um, I guess, why do you resell? Like, what, what's the, the, the motivation behind it? Uh, my motivation behind it uh, is because I do want to quit my job. I do want to quit my day job um, so that I can be home with my son full time. Um, and also because I see it as, it, it's not the only way, but for me, um, considering what I like to do and I love reselling, I love finding a good bargain that I can flip. Um, to me, it's kind of like a gateway for real estate investing, which is what the ultimate goal is. Gotcha. No, that's actually really cool. So, um, well, I totally forgot the, the follow-up question <laughs> I was going to ask you today. Um, well, another question. So then, um, you know, with, with your experience and everything, what advice would you give to someone who is just getting started in reselling? I would say for someone who is just getting started, um, I would say for eBay, um, make sure you check the active to sold ratio, which is basically um, when you look up an item, the results, it'll show how many are active or how many are, are currently on sale. And then when you go in to check in the comps, it'll show in that same, the results of how many have sold. I, I believe it's 60 to 90 days. I'm not 100% sure. I'm 60 to 90 days. It'll show you how many have sold. So the closer those two numbers are to each other, the better chance that your item will sell a little faster. Obviously this is not a guarantee, but it'll help you make more educated decisions on what to buy. Um, and then obviously if the sold uh, number is higher than the active uh, number, then of course get the item. It's likely it's gonna sell fast because there is a demand for it. If you buy something that is worth a lot of money, but there isn't much of a demand, then you kind of run that risk of whether you want to wait to get the money um, or if you choose to not just get it um, at all. And I would say for Amazon would be to get Keepa. Uh, Keepa is a website that allows you to see how often an item sells and it gives you a database of for up to a year. It's only, I believe it's only $15 a month, but it has helped me exponentially to buy stuff that will sell quickly. Oh, well, yeah, I've heard of Keepa. I haven't looked into it yet. It's a, it's a, they don't have an app for it, but it's honestly, it has the $15 it sells for like it pays for itself. Oh yeah, for sure. Cause I mean, when reselling, you could buy something for two, two bucks that sells for 20. I mean, mm -hmm. one thing alone, could you get your money back? Yes. It, it, it literally pays for itself. It has helped me so much. That's cool. Yeah. I, I think I'll have to look into that then. <laughs> no, I highly, I highly recommend it. It's, it's something that another another um, Twitter user that I follow, um, he kept like, you need to use Keepa. You need to use Keepa. And then I was like, 
okay, let me let me look into it. And I started watching some videos on how to read the graphs and things like that. And it's like now it's like, oh, I know exactly what I'm doing. It's 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 a very essential tool, in my opinion, especially when you're first starting out. Well, sweet. You know, it's just so awesome. Like we live in a time where there's so many resources like that available. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it just makes something as simple as reselling even more simple. Yes. It, it just, it makes your, it's a lifesaver. It makes your job so much easier because if you're going in blind, um, I know a lot of people say a lot about the sales rank and the sales rank is good, but the sales rank is basically just a snapshot in time. So it doesn't, it doesn't tell you how often it sells. Obviously the lower it is, it means, um, it has sold recently. Um, because every time an item sells, the sales rank goes down, but it's not a good indicator of how often the item sells. Because if something is, for example, um, even if it's, uh, obviously I'm a, probably if it's under like a hundred thousand, it's likely that it's selling quicker. Cause obviously it has to keep selling for it to go down that much. But, um, if an item is a moderate rank, how can you know if it's only selling once a month or if it's selling 10 times a month? It, it's, it's difficult to tell just by the sales rank. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'm definitely going to look into Keepa. I'm going to actually write that down real quick. Yeah. It's K E E P A. K E P A. Perfect. Cool. So, um, on your Twitter bio, it says mm-hmm. that, that you're all about mindset. Yes. I'm curious, why do you, why is mindset important to you? Uh, Mindset is important to me because I feel, I feel that if your mindset is in the right place, you can literally do anything. And what I be my mindset is having a mindset that is solution oriented. If you continue to look at um, all the reasons why you cannot do something or you basically what you do is you close in on yourself you don't allow yourself to really think about what possibilities or what solutions you have to x problem when when you're solution oriented it allows you like how can i solve this problem how can i make an extra hundred bucks how can i do this how can i do that and you start thinking of ideas and mindset has a lot to do with that you can't find solutions if you're not looking for them and so I'm curious, with with mindset uh, being important to you, when do you think you, de- you um, I guess, developed an appreciation or a thoughtfulness about mindset? Um, I think that in a way I've kind of always had it. Um, I, I had a very difficult upbringing, and I noticed uh, as we got older, because I have an older brother, I've noticed how different we both thought. Uh, my brother is definitely a lot more victim mindset. I'm more of a, I, I'm going to overcome this no matter what mindset. Um, and I, and I saw early on the damage that it has done to his life as opposed to how much it has benefited me by thinking differently. Yeah, so true. And it's, what's interesting about that as well, um, like even with your, uh, with the story just shared is that how two people can go through, like, be raised in the same house, go through a, a similar situation, but then come out of it, you know, um, basically thinking of it entirely differently. Yes, 
Uh, it's something that even to this day, it continues to baffle me because uh, my brother just turned 30. We're already, we're already full blown adults. And the fact that um, how can you think X, like a certain amount of way, like if you're seeing the damage it does to your life and just, and, and, and it does baffle me. Like we went through the exact same thing. How is it that you view it differently than I do? I, I don't understand it, but it's it's definitely something that I'm very intrigued by. Yeah, definitely. Like just uh, how our thoughts, how we how we interpret certain things is going to, mm-hmm. you know, shape how we view it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, something has really been on my mind, uh, especially, well, pretty much the last week and a half with uh, Corona and everything has been um, ju- just the, the phrase abundance mindset. <laughs> I have my real cat. quick remind me what's your cat's name uh his name is oki oki you want to join yeah. the podcast <laughs> yeah i keep i keep telling my i keep telling my son i um not because i necessarily want another cat but i'm like it's it would be so cool to just buy, get another one and name it doki and like <laughs> oki and doki <laughs> i think you should um but yeah, so going back to the question though, so w- with uh, the phrase abundance mindset keeps, I guess it just keeps going through my mind the last uh, week or so. Um, so I'm curious, what, uh, what comes to mind or what's your, uh, your thoughts when you hear that phrase abundance mindset? What does that mean to you? Uh, to me, abundance mindset is, um, to me, it's basically reminding yourself that there is so much there's so many resources there's so much money there's so much everything that there's no reason why you should have a scarcity mindset um especially when it comes to our own circumstances oh well i'm not rich oh why well, can't achieve this because i don't have this or because i don't have money because like all these different excuses that we make for ourselves when you have an abundance mindset, those excuses literally go away because you try to, again, you, it goes back to finding solutions. When you're in abundance mindset, you also look for solutions. How can I make more money? How is, it's just, I don't know. I, I view it as a lifestyle in a way. Yeah. So with that in mind, um, how important is it for you or, or I guess, not really how important, but because, okay, so I'm a dad. I know you're a mom. How do you think we can teach that to our, uh, to our kids? What I, what I normally do uh, when it comes to, he's like right in my face. Come on, Oki. Um, so what, what I do to teach my son is because sometimes, uh, for example, little trivial things like sometimes he'll ask me for help and it's not necessarily that I don't want to help him. I kind of just want him to learn to figure it out for himself. Um, and I've noticed that many times he'll make something out of nothing just because I didn't step in to help him. I, I kind of, I let him, I let him use his mind. I'm like, try it again. You know, you can do it. And I try to be encouraging to him that, 
really anything is possible and that he can do anything and to figure out how to solve little problems like he broke a toy and he needs to fix it like he'll literally go in my drawers and find tape like he he if i let if i if i keep myself from stepping in he starts to think how can i fix it how can i do it um and just really letting him know like we'll we'll do this uh, like sometimes he'll tell me like oh i want to go here yesterday he was telling me he wants to go to the bahamas right Obviously, I don't have the money for that right now, but I don't tell him, like, oh, no, we can't go. Uh, like, I always tell him, like, we'll go when mommy has money. And he's, he's kind of, like, ingrained that in his head that I'm, I'm going to go one day, just not right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and just, just making sure that I don't let him, I don't ingrain in his mind that it's impossible. Yeah, no, I like that, like, not telling them no we can't go but more more of a yeah we'll go but first we gotta hit this goal like we, yes. gotta, we gotta do something first to get there yes yeah i really like that because yeah that actually as you were talking um it's just reminding me my so with my daughter right now well actually well with my wife so my wife is currently pregnant mm-hmm. and uh, um she's kind of been a little more more sick with this pregnancy a little more uh tired but i think mostly because she also has to take care of a two-year-old <laughs> Yes. Um, Congratulations, by the way. Oh, thank I just you. didn't want to interrupt you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. No, you're good. Um, but what I've noticed is that my daughter used to be a lot more independent. But I think because my wife, because she's been around my wife, which, you know, she, my wife needs help. Um, but I think she's noticed my wife asking me for more things. And mm-hmm. so I, 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 I noticed how my daughter is and has now been wanting me to do more things for her when I know she could have done that for herself. Just like, two months ago. <laughs> so yeah, so I actually really appreciate that, uh, those thoughts, because now I'm thinking about what I can do with her to try to help facilitate that, uh, that independence that she had. Uh, a yes. Few ago. Cool. Um, so I know another thing that, that you enjoy is, is staying fit. You like to exercise. Yes. So um, is there a particular reason why? Like, do you just love it? Is, um, I guess, why, why do you stay so consistent with your exercises? So, um, I wasn't always, well, I, I kind of grew up more tomboyish. Um, so I guess maybe that's a reason. Um, but after my son was born, I started working out about three and a half years ago, almost four years ago. Um, my son was around two and I, I honestly, I gained a lot of weight post-pregnancy. It was not fun. I went through the whole postpartum depression and what I do is I eat. So I just continued to gain weight because I, all I would eat was chips. So it's like, I would just gain weight, gain weight, gain weight. And it got, kind of got to a point where, um, I was literally at the highest size for my demographic. And I'm like, Ooh, this, yeah, this has to change. So I, um, just got into it and I just started lifting weights and I loved it. And now, now what I do, I kind of, I trained obviously to stay in shape, but, um, I mostly train because I've learned to love it. And also because, um, I just really love just lifting heavy. I just love challenging what my body can do, especially as a woman, where it's like, usually it's like, oh, it's um, like, we're not 
as strong. And honestly, a, a part of me, I, this sounds bad for me to say, but a part of me, I just like to be different from your regular fit chick, where it's like they don't even ever, they don't really ever train upper body. And I'm just like, why do you not train? And a lot, I know a lot of like misconceptions, like, oh, I don't want to get too big. But um, you don't. You just get stronger. And I, and I just love challenging my body and its capabilities, really. Well, so it sounds like it, but do you, would you say that you being consistent with your exercises, with your fitness and everything, do you, would you say that's, uh, I guess, improved your confidence, your mindset and everything? Yes. Uh, I, I've, it's, it's kind of one of, it, it's a bit of a paradox because I feel, um, it's so weird because normally I am either the strongest girl at the gym or I'm the only girl that's in the gym, uh, usually in the weight area. And it does lift up my confidence because it's like, you know, you're kind of breaking that barrier of like, oh no, women don't weight train. But um, in a sense, it's a paradox because I wish more women did it. You know, a lot of, I wish a lot more women were not afraid to lift heavy weight. But uh, it does improve my confidence because I'm, I'm literally in, in a male's playground per se. And I'm over here lifting just as much as these men are. I, I think it, it's, it's very, I don't know. I just, I love it. That's awesome. So I'm curious. So you were saying, you know, um, you had gained weight after your, your pregnancy. You, you had some postpartum. So I'm curious, was there like a singular event that happened that made you say, hey, I need a change? Or was it just accumulation of things? Like, like what, what was it that made that, that, that switch in your mind? Uh, I think it was mostly like a, like that singular thing where it's like I can't I literally have to go into like plus size women's clothes and I'm just like I I can't do this. <laughs> I've always been in the in the you know in the smaller spectrum. I was when I was younger pre-pregnancy I was really small and I'm like why am I allowing myself to do this to myself? I'm only harming my body. So I just decided to make that change. Gotcha. Yeah, that actually <laughs> kind of reminds me. Um, so my my sister, she's actually big into fitness as well. Um, yeah, she and as a as a side note to attest to what you were saying for women, like who lift weights, you're not going to get huge. You're not going to be like turn into like, you know, bodybuilder like whatever <laughs> you think. You're not going to turn to Arnold no. Schwarzenegger. <laughs> so I can I can attest from my sister that that, that is true. Um, but yeah. Um, she, I, I remember she she was telling me that the reason she got into it was because one time, he he meant it, in it as a joke, but her husband was like, oh, well, they were out to eat with some friends, and her husband was like, oh yeah, you know, uh, my so my sister's name is Christy. She's like, yeah, Christy's just a oh, what did he say? So it wasn't like chubby. It was like she's like a marshmallow or something like that, and she was <laughs> like, uh uh-uh. uh, <laughs> and so she's been exercising ever since. <laughs> like I'm gonna prove you wrong. Yeah. Oh, I, I love that. And, and, you know, see, I think that there's often ways where you can, you know, say things like that. And I, I think it's definitely a, a beautiful thing that your sister got motivated rather than a lot of people get really offended over something like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I definitely there's ways like your brother-in-law where it's like you can you can kind of say it, but it, it's you mean well. It's not, your, it's not like you're trying to 
hurt someone's feelings, you know, and, and just like having, I think that being able to be told something that you don't like about yourself can really be what motivates you to fix what you don't like about yourself. Yeah. And yeah. And, and to go along with that, I think that's also the importance of, uh, I guess, you know, having a good mindset, being good mentally and emotionally. Cause I think when you hear that, I think if you're not good in a good place, you know, like emotionally, mentally, then when you take that, you get offended. But if you're in yes. a good place, you take that and you improve. Yes. It's, it's kind of one of those things where, um, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if I ever aired this on my podcast. It, it was uh, either, it was an idea or I actually recorded it and never, um, never actually published it. But, um, it, and I was talking about people that feel offended. And, and I think that in, in the grand scheme of things, it's kind of like an ego thing where, um, where it's when someone tells you something, even if you know that about yourself, you don't want to accept it. If you're not ready to accept um, your shortcomings with someone, when someone brings that to light, your, your ego basically goes into, I'm going to overprotect myself and I'm offended. And you just try to, you, you don't see the logic in what the other person is saying when you're not ready to let your ego at the door, you know, mm-hmm. you, you just, you, you do whatever you can to protect yourself and your feelings and your ego. But I feel that again, like you said, when you're in a good place mentally, and especially when you're willing to let that ego go to the side, you're able to take that constructively and be like, well, okay, well maybe I do need to change. I see the other person's point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think it's just very, I, I think we just, w- I think it's a good indicator of where we are mentally um, when we receive criticism and how we feel about it. Yes. Like I, I, I always. I, I often feel that it is rooted in kind of like insecurity. Mm-hmm. You know, it's definitely something. And, and I've noticed this because when I was in high school, um, I like for context, I am pigeon toed. So my, my feet go in when I walk. And I've had this, it, it runs in my family. It's something I've had since I was, since I started walking. Um, I was under treatment when I was little, but my dad just didn't decide because it was too painful. So I, I, we just didn't continue the treatment, but um, I still walk like that to this day. I don't care. I know I walk funny. It, it's only when I know, the only time I notice that I walk funny is when someone records me walking and then I notice like, oh yeah, it looks ridiculous. But um, I remember in high school, people used to make fun of me because of my feet. And it was something that never really fazed me. I, 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 I never cared. Um, and I noticed it's, and, and I noticed it's like, it's because it's something I'm not insecure about. I'm not insecure about my feet. It doesn't matter. I don't, it, it only looks absolutely ridiculous when I wear really high heels. So I just don't wear them at all. Um, but the difference between getting offended and not offended is, one, your ego, where you are mentally, like you said, and also if it's something you're insecure about. Mm. If you're not insecure about it, it's not going to bother you, even if someone points it out to you. Yeah, I, I actually like 1000% agree with that. It's actually something that um, recently I've been, I've been realizing that when I do get offended about something, uh, something I've been trying to do more recently is like take a step back and be like, okay, like obviously it's not like the, 
this isn't really ha- have anything to do with what the person said. It, it's something that's that I'm insecure about. Mm-hmm. Like whether it's whatever the case may be, like they make, I don't know, make, make, fun, make fun of because I have glasses or wh- whatever the case may be, you know, uh, like when, when I feel that way, I, I realize that, okay, there's something inside of me that isn't right, that, that's insecure. Yes, 100%. Cool. All right. Well, um, we're going to wrap up real soon, but I did want to ask one final question. Of course. What brings you happiness? What, what makes you happy? To me, I think that what makes me happy is doing what I love, living life on my own terms in the sense that I'm, I'm doing what fulfills me mentally, what fulfills me emotionally, and in the end, just feeling like a good mom. I think that those things um, are what brings me the most joy. I've noticed that when I'm my unhappiest is when I don't feel like I'm living up to my potential and that I'm not being a good mom. That's awesome. Yeah, I just from the conversation that we've had today, I think that your boy has a good mom. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Obviously, not perfect. Like none of us are perfect, but I, I think you're. you're I think you. He has, he has a good mom that's going to teach him some good stuff. Thank you. Okay, so right before we wrap up, so um, honestly, anyone who's watching this, listening to this, I really think you should go follow Lily on social media. Uh, so can you tell them where can they find you? Uh, currently, um, well, I, have, I do have an Instagram account, but I'm not ever, ever on it. So um, I'm only on Twitter. Um, it's at Lily Resells. Okay, and you have a podcast as well, right? Yes, uh, it's uh, Lily Talks and Resells, and it's on Anchor. It's on, um, it's also on what's it called? Spotify. Yes. Okay, perfect. Yeah, again, highly recommend you go follow her. And Lily, thank you again so much for your time. Thank you so much.